Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath. We are going to be talking about sports cards. How about collecting sports cards? That's what we do around here. If you're new, welcome. Excited to have you. There is always so much to explore. And what I like to do is go a little bit against the grain, not necessarily focus in on the things that the hobby mainstream is focused on, Go a little left to center around here, but stick to creating content specifically for you, the collector, because we know no matter how much noise there there is in the industry and that comes across our timeline, we know that the collector is what makes this entire thing go around. So today, I want to talk about the operating interests and behaviors of the hobby and how there are several different nation states that make up this beautiful thing. And that's the diversity of those nation states is a good thing. However, sometimes different interests, different motivations, different desires cross borders and cause conflict. I want to talk a little bit about that. We're going to dig into some data, some things that are happening on the auction house front. And I had a just unbelievably motivating week last week in the hobby after I made a post and there was a uproar in reaction that I want to get into. But before we do that, I just want to say I have had, I had a great weekend, took my daughter to her first visit at Lucas Oil Stadium, put this on Instagram It was fun. We are fortunate to live a mile away from Lucas Oil, season ticket holder. And we, if you're under two, you get in free. And so what we did was strapped the baby to my stomach. Well, first of all, we threw her in her, don't call him Darius, call him Shaquille Leonard jersey. She's got a little 53 Decided, you know what, I thought it'd be cute if I rocked my 53. So it was daddy-daughter rocking the Shaquille Leonard Maniac jersey. The wife was wearing her Ryan Kelly. Yes, my wife wears the center of the Indianapolis Colts. Kind of what we do around here. A little bit different, but I like it. And we went off and the Colts played host to the Hard Knocks team, the Detroit Lions, and some preseason action. and. It was a one o'clock Saturday game, which was great. It was, um, you know, we could maneuver it around nap time. We knew she wasn't going to stay for the whole thing, but, or make it through, but she did a great job and it was just so much fun. And just to have, you know, I'm sure all you parents out there that have taken your kids to games in the past, this was my first time doing it ever. And will she remember it? Absolutely not. But we got plenty of pictures and videos and it's what it's all about. So sharing that passion that I have for my team and kind of introducing it to my daughter was something that was certainly fun. And 
entertaining and had a blast. And we are literally just around the corner from the NFL kicking off. And I can feel it. And it's so much fun. And we are seeing that too reflected in some of the wild and wacky activities that are going on in the hobby. I think one of the catalysts for maybe this conversation was Kellen Mond mania, if you will, after his first preseason outing and the sharing of the Mond cards and the posts and the investing and the this and that with a lot of narrative spinning. And it was just kind of indicative of the different nation states that represent our hobby. And so we're going to talk about that. Funny thing is, is when I woke up this morning, as I record this on Sunday, after Kellen Mon had a 50% uh, completion rate, threw for 82 yards, two touchdowns, or two interceptions, excuse me, and had a 21.3 QBR rating, there wasn't a lot of people out there doing what they did the week prior. And I found that interesting. It's a lot harder to spin narrative and celebrate when you see what actually happens on the field. And this isn't a shot at Kellen Mond. I'm sure he's a fine player and a fine uh, young man. This is more indicative of those in the hobby that are trying to spin things in their favor and take advantage of others at a time where maybe excitement is up and maybe vulnerability is high. So let's get into it today. A lot of auctions going down. And I had this reflection. It's There's so much content that happens around these premier auctions PWCC has or golden auctions. And I was reflecting. And I think there's so many people who do a good job of um, recapping these events. And I'm going to share some kind of flowers to some individuals in a minute. But, you know, as I kind of zoomed out of it, I thought to myself, this is its own island of people who operate in the premier space. And I think I would imagine a majority of the people out there listening aren't necessarily bidding on those auctions. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's just the assumption I get. I think most of us are spectators watching from the friendly confines of our hobby states. And while these auctions are an indicator of the top in health, they've become incredibly boring from a collector point of view. And I know that might sound bombastic, and I know people love to see these cards go and these big cards and see what they end up for. But for my seat, for my the seat of my the collecting um, state of the hobby, I just see the same cards selling all of the time. It's the same players, it's the same reposts, and it's very generic. And I think that when the there's been a run of these auctions and people wonder, like, why are these cards going down? Like, these cards are iconic. And I think the answer to the question lies somewhere in the lies somewhere in the fact that we see these cards so much that cards that are considered iconic, are also liquid, and they're the same cards that we see over and over and over again. I think that we are always going to have these auctions and they're good, but I think there needs to be some adjustments. I think we all need to take a deep breath. And I think while these 
results invade our feeds, invade our timelines, there's only a, a small percentage of a, the hobby as a whole that are really the ones who are out there selling or bidding on these auctions. I think long time, these, the profile of these individuals, I think are longtime collectors who have worked their way up and don't even think twice about dropping six figures on a card, likely because they have built up that equity in the hobby. And that is amazing. And I'm out here working hard and I'm hoping at some point that in my tenure as a participant in the hobby, that there can be a six figure card that I see pop up and I can feel very comfortable and confident going after it because I know that I have cards in my collection that I could get rid of to cover that. So there's that. There is the there's the Richie Rich crew, and I think their total value allows them to place bets and disrupt this space. That is a uh, profile of people who are in it bidding on these cards. I think there's funds too, right? We the whole fund of it all. You've got um, individuals joining forces to bid on these cards. But again, when I think about longtime collectors who don't think twice about spending six figures on a card. When I think about the Richie Rich crew in the hobby mainstream, and I think about the funds, this is only a small portion of the individuals who make the hobby move. I think this show has afforded me the ability to meet some incredible people in the hobby and people from all walks of life. And I think there's an overwhelming majority of people that aren't playing in this space And that says something to me. I say this because it's important for all of us to pay attention to the high-end market. However, what's happened in that space over the last 12 to 18 months has been absolutely stupid and borderline irresponsible. The quick run-up on stuff was never sustainable, especially when you look at it at the level of these cards have multiple copies and there are multiple grades, and we're seeing them in multiple auctions. And this, these cards, when you continually see them, especially cards that are, you know, 99 copies, 100 copies, 150 copies, they're, they're never going to go up forever. And I think the hobby mainstream and the hobby influencers who are out there pumping these things like there are no tomorrow, want us to think otherwise. And I understand getting excited about prices going up and the market thriving. It's good for the hobby. We need that kind of thing. But I think the thing that really pisses me off is there's been no education or risk mitigation along the way. I think the bigger the platform, the less responsible they have been. I think we are fortunate to collect sports cards in the year 2022 where we have platforms that we can go to to research, do homework, and investigate. And I think that's really good. But when these cards are up for sale and up for auction, it's all about chasing the money. And there's zero to little, no education by anyone saying, you know what, it might not be responsible for buying this card because it just sold in the last auction. Or actually, this card has you know, 100 copies and we're at an all-time high. And I know that's not the function of the auction house and that the auction house is going to do whatever it can to maximize their profits or maximize revenue on each of these cars sold. And that's not what I'm recommending. I'm just recommending the space around these auctions. There's been no conversation about 
the continual, these cards continually recycling over and over again, and many times months at a part. And I think that's a big problem. I think I was encouraged, and I hope you got a chance to check out this conversation um, with Sasha P. Cards about his top 75 NBA player autograph chase. I love projects like that, and that was part of the reason why I brought him on the show. But he, when the, it, he remarked in the end of the conversation, and when I always pitch it to someone to share their advice, he remarked on be, be responsible, like go do the research, dig into the reports, dig into the data sources. And once you do the homework on those specific cards, then you can make the decision. That's something that's not normally pushed. That is not a message that's normal. And so that's just something I wanted to call out. When I was talking earlier, I think there's a lot of really good people that I know that I'd consider friends that cover these auctions. I think Josh Cardboard Chronicles, he puts the, always recaps them in the stories. And it always gives me, because for me, I'm not somebody who's following these auctions along second by second, minute by minute, and thinking about the market, quite frankly, because these cards don't interest me. Most of the time, I don't collect these players and I'm so freaking bored of seeing the same cards over and over again that the last thing I want to do is dig into the data and kind of present it back. That's why I rely on people like Josh to recap it for me, which is very fortunate and I like that. And I think, you know, I think about my other buddy, Kevin Randall, the Captain 37, he goes live and he shares his perspective on the cards and the space and the areas that he is a subject matter expert on. And I think we need these sound voices after the dust settles on these auctions to talk about them. And those are two sources for me to make sure that I am knowledgeable after these auctions close. And I think about Tom Brady. I think about Steph Curry. I think about Kobe, MJ, LeBron. We These are the hobby superstar slash icons that the hobby puts front and center, mostly because they're iconic players and they deserve that placement. But when they're iconic players and they deserve this placement and they we see their cards over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, some of those cards that two, three years ago when we'd see them pop up every now and again, now we see them monthly and it kind of loses its luster couple just spotlight and I don't want to dig in too much on cards and value but I do want to call these out so if taking Tom Brady taking Steph Curry two guys who have won championships in their respective sports you know over the last couple years you got the Tom Brady champ ticket on the PWCC premier auction the last sale of this card was on February 1st 2022 this champ ticket one of Tom Brady's most iconic cards, they would say, is out of 100. In February, it sold for 2.3 million. And this is in a BGS 8.5. And then the latest auction, 1.2. This has a population of 28. And I was actually listening to the crossover this morning, and Chris mentioned that this was actually the same copy. So the same copy of the card was purchased in February for 2.3 million and then tried to be flipped. And got nearly cut in half for one point or cut in half for one point two million. 
with a population 28. That's just not how it all, like you can't flood. You can't see these cards at these prices over and over again and expect them to sustain. I think another example was the Brady um, Bowman Chrome 9.5. This was sold on February 16th, 2022. This has a population of 31. The previous sale was 462,000. It just sold for 120K. Okay, that's that's scary. Um, And we're just seeing these cards more and more again. You look at Steph Curry, February 3rd, 2022. His... Topps Chrome Gold Refractor out of 50, 9.5 with a population of 14. Sold in February for 575K and now sold for 336. NTRPA sold in June of 16th, 99 copies, 9.5, population 52. It went from 720K in June to 504K now. Now, I think you have to consider market conditions, all of this other stuff in the state of the economy. I definitely get that. But I think we're all doing ourselves a disservice by continually pushing these cards out in the market and trying to sell them for more than the last person sold them for. I just don't think it works like that. And also these cards which appear or feel two, three years ago is so unattainable because people collect them and they're stashed away in collections doesn't really feel like that anymore. They feel more hot potato in nature. I've noticed that the cards that are going up in value are the cards that are not necessarily in the mainstream and not necessarily spotlighted, but have strong collector bases and are cards that are rare and scarce because you don't see them every often, so often. So while there's a hobby narrative that the sky is falling and everything is going down, I think you have to dig in and see the cards that aren't readily available and are scarce. And those are the cards that are typically performing well, especially if they're involved in sets that are highly collectible or if they have collector bases that are super strong. So what are we supposed to do as listeners of this show? I think we are supposed to be be aware. The hobby mainstream will continue to spin narratives to favor their cards, services, and selling platforms think we can get out of the distraction of the hobby mainstream by building your projects. Most of this stuff doesn't apply to us. I've already stated that. Enjoy the hobby, collect and build the projects that are making you happy. And finally, find the people who you col- who collect what you collect. The more you build relationships with the right people, the less all of this matters. And I think it presents this idea of the hobby as nation states. I've been preaching hobby segmentation since the minute I've started this damn show. A big part of my professional life is researching, analyzing, and segmenting audiences. The hobby communicates to the hobby and doesn't take into consideration the myriad of segments that make this thing move. I don't need to get into what all those segments are or what are emerging or what are not. I've beat that dead horse enough. But I look at this example of the Kellen Mond of it all. Felt like a little bull bull action over and over again. I think there's always going to be a hobby nation state that exists that is going to attempt to hype and push narrative based on their own self-interest. But I would ask us as the hobby to reverse engineer what would actually need to happen and what would need to take place for Kellen Mond to justify the prices that we saw over this past week. One, he would have to win the starting job. Okay, 
anyone's paying attention or following along, yes, Kirk Cousins might not be the in the elite tier of quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's a damn good one. As a matter of fact, he was voted by his peers on the top 100 NFL players, active players list that the NFL Network is running. He was 99. I think if Kellen Mond won the starting job, let's say this, he has to win the starting job and he also has to beat out Sean Mannion, okay? There's, there's a couple things. In order for him to do that, it would mean that the Vikings would be fucking terrible. They would be dirt. They would be terrible and Cousins might be hurt and Mannion might be throwing the ball to the other team. Okay, so these factors, think about this. But the Vikings aren't. They were actually probably victim of the most heartbreaking season last year. And they lost, I don't have the stats in front of me, but lost a ton of close games. Pretty pretty, pretty um, stout team. Then Kellen Mann would have to look like Patrick Mahomes. Then he would have to take them to the playoffs and probably win a game. You think about this. It's insanity. And so what's happening is people know that this isn't likely, I don't think. So they're just getting these cards and trying to flip them to the neighbor. Sounds exhausting to me. And it also sounds like a hobby state that I don't want to visit. I'm not interested. It's all insanity to me. But isn't insanity, is, but isn't insanity to the, a, a big core value of the hyped nation states? Thinking we can enjoy our collecting homeland. If we want to explore new areas, then it's up to us. It's okay to block out parts of the hobbies that you, hobby that you don't like, parts of the hobby that don't interest you. Like I said, the more we focus in on collecting and what matters to us and what's significant to us, the less the no, it, it drowns out the noise and we can focus in. I love this hobby and I, I'm, I, I understand it's never going to be crafted and critiqued and it's never going to be exactly the way that I envisioned it or that it reminded me of when I was a kid. Things change. And I think we need to be adaptable as collectors in the hobby. But I think we waste so much energy by getting sucked up into the hobby mainstream. And sometimes we just need to turn our back and do what we do best. And that's collect some damn cards. I just want to take some time. And I haven't really talked about it much after the initial boom, but I just want to Shout out, I'm going to elevate wrestling cards for one second. Don't, don't turn it off if you're not a wrestling card fan, but I just want to say this. And I know there is a lot of criticism and critique oftentimes when it comes to change and when it comes to new products, but I think Panini has done a nice job with the three releases that have gone on so far on the WWE front. Prism, Select, Revolution. The photography on these cards are great. Um, ironically, when I think about Panini products, those are the three products that I probably collect the most. And I think that I'm really happy with the state of wrestling cards. Select came out recently and the prices were a lot more reasonable than Prism. I think the alpha left. I think people realized that wrestling cards were probably more challenging to manipulate than some other segments. And so we went through that cycle, but now I'm seeing wrestling card collectors share and talk about why they love these cards and pick up cards that are filling out their collections. And it's been great. And I think I mentioned the photography. It's been phenomenal. We're seeing images that are iconic that we've never seen before on wrestling cards. But I will also say the roster is unbelievable on these products. I bought a gold premier level big van vader card i'm waiting to get this baby back 
But I saw this card and I was like, you know what? There are no gold prism or gold refractor Vader's. I love Vader. Rest in peace, Big Van Vader. I love Vader. I, he's one of the best big men of all time. And there was a void in my collection when I saw that card. I saw Vader throwing up the V, iconic image. And I thought, you know what? This is coming courtesy of a brand new product that has entered. And by God, I got to say something and just say it makes me happy. I couldn't believe I don't have a Vader card in my PC, and now I do. So just want to shout that out. Also want to say, and I'll talk more about this. I'm not quite ready yet because I'm trying to figure out the direction. But I bought a NBA card, Will Hoops, this past week. And I'm thinking about something. So I'll share more on that. But I bought a a basketball card. I know you're probably out there being like, oh my God, he's back into basketball. No way. I'm dipping my toe and I'm going to share more about that when I'm ready. But love basketball. And I was just trying to figure out what the right avenue is. More on that later. Okay. I want to close this episode out by talking about one of the most fun moments that I had in the hobby in a long time via Instagram. So I got a order back from PSA and I decided to put all my Philip River Super Fractors all together, snap a photo, and it's the 2010 Finest Super, the 2010 Topps Chrome Super, the 2013 Finest Super. Put them all in a picture, snap it, and, you know, I don't know, just put them all together and that's what we do, right? That's what we do in the hobby. So I posted that, didn't really look at it, went to bed, and I had to go in the office this past week. So I was in the office waiting for an all-day meeting. Right before I was walking to the office, I looked at my post. I was like, wow, that got a good reaction. Um, People love superfractors. And it triggered a thought. To me, it was like, okay, well, I know a lot of other people love superfractors, right? You can't beat a one-on-one. You can't beat how they look. I think they look cool as shit. No one else can have one if you have a copy. Think when you see them, when you see them, when you see them posted, there's always a reaction. And if I think about something that feels collectible, feels like art, I always go to the superfractor. So before my meeting, I put out there on Instagram, hey, like, love the reaction of the superfractor post. If you got any superfractors, tag me. I'd love to see them. I'll repost. I was in an all-day meeting, and I came back to my phone, and my phone was flooded by superfractor posts, people tagging me, and I reposted all of them. I got so many messages from people that were just like, thank you for sending out the bat signal on the Superfractors. It was so fun to turn to your page and look at everyone's collection, people posting stuff that they had never posted or hadn't posted in a while, and just to see that all in one place. And I feel like that is a role that is underrated in the hobby, is this opportunity for us as to collectors to also be curators. We should curate cards because we know the IG feed has sucked. We know there's we're being overreeled. We know we're being flooded by self-interest and stuff that are so so against why we're all here. Okay? Remember, we're in hobby nation states. There's segmentation that exists. And the state I'm in is the state of collecting. And if I can curate other people's collections and share it with you, the listener of the Stacking Slabs podcast, and I feel like I'm doing my job. So that was amazing. I really enjoyed that. And I want to close it out with this. So to keep the momentum building, and I'm in the momentum building game. I'm a marketer. This is what I do for a living. What I wanted to do was say, okay, so people love superfractors. It's undeniable. We all know one of ones are special cards. 
and I was curious, okay, well, what, what my, I asked a question. I said, super fractures aside, what are your favorite one of ones? Pick one. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go down. I'm going to read some of these responses and we're going to get the hell out of here. Okay. My cards, the hobby NFL shield. There is a shield wave that has emerged. Shields are in right now for sure. I'm working on an episode around shields. More to come on that. Billy Hoyle can dunk. Prism black, not shimmers. Can't deny that. A prism black is a beautiful card. Shaq card collector underscore DE. Logoman. Okay. <laughs> we know the Logoman is a very popular. I'm glad that got some representation. Colorado collector. Allen and Ginter plates, glossy cards, art art cards. Rare Ginter is the bee's knees. I love that. Share some of your stuff, Colorado. I'd love to see it. Magenta Placenta. Museum Emeralds. Okay. Unfamiliar with the Emeralds. I don't think I've seen those. I'm going to have to look that up. SZ Sports Card. Mosaic Nebula. Beautiful. I don't own any of those, but those always catch my eye. The Modest Card Collector. Them Flare Showcase. One of Ones. Yes, the Masterpieces. I was fortunate to pick up a Marvin Harrison Row 2 recently, and it just feels like something special. Volume accumulation. Another shout to Prism Black. Vol in Vol in NC cards. Justin, another masterpiece shout out. Toxic cards. Nebula. Five star collector. Game used immaculate jumbo Reebok logos. Okay, very cool. Carlson cards. 2018 threads. Black dazzle. One of ones. I'm biased because I have the Kobe. I love the jersey design. Post that, man. I'd love to see it. Charm City, another 2,000 Flare Showcase masterpieces. We got some masterpiece shouts going. Sasha P. Card's former guest, Logoman. He also says black. Okay, we're seeing a trend here. I'm reading these for the first time as I'm reading them to you, okay? Just letting you know. Grant Card Room, Nebulas, look amazing in photos, can only imagine what they look like in hand. Jimmy Lot 57, Ultra Masterpiece, one of one with the purple background. Those are beautiful cards. Drake's PC, one of one NFL full equipment shields. Shout out shields. Another one from Drake, 14 flawless platinum one of ones. You got to love the 14 flawless. 740 Smith cards, 98 tops gold label, one of ones. Yes, uh, I know a lot of people who are big fans of the gold label set and especially the one of ones. Gunther cards, finite. Got to give some airtime for the finite. Cornerstone collectibles, finite. Fourth floor cards, UFC immaculate platinum. One of ones, they feel special. They feel unique. They're one of a kind. I love us talking about that. Thank you, Super Fractor, for being the force that brings people together to talk about cards that they love that aren't necessarily in the hobby mainstream at this point. But you know what? It doesn't matter. We're just out here collecting some damn cards and having fun while we do it. If you like what I'm doing over here, subscribe, follow. Most importantly, you know the drill. Tell a damn friend you're enjoying this Tack and Slaps podcast. I will be back. Holy cow, I didn't even plug Friday's conversation. Adam McNanny, a big time collector. Been talking to him for quite some while, bringing him on the, the show. We got a fun topic to talk about that aligns with legends, rookie quarterbacks, all these things. You take care of yourself. Come back on Friday for that conversation. Peace out. Peace out.